Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to the Bill Mazeroski episode of the River Blast podcast. Alex, once again, another Hall of Famer to name our episode after. Did you go to the game back in 01 whenever he was, uh, whenever they celebrated his induction into the Hall of Fame? You know, I don't know. I was only six years old when that happened, so like, I, I was oh, yeah. still like too young to remember if I was there or not. Why, were you there? Yeah, I mean, I was only nine at the time, but I remembered. That's so a big difference, though. Between six and nine, we start remembering things. Yeah, I mean, wouldn't that be a fair take to have, though? Like, like a lot of my childhood memories, like, I remember a lot of baseball stuff starting at about nine to ten years old. Okay, okay, it's about fair. Okay. So anyway, yeah, episode number nine uh, of the River Blast podcast uh, season's winding down for the Bucks, uh, but we're still staying strong, bringing you this once-a-week show, and we're just going to dive right into it uh, with the latest news for the Pittsburgh Pirates involving arguably their best hitter of the season, Gregory Polanco, not their best slider on the base paths. Uh, he goes for a slide about a week ago, ends up messing up his knee, and dislocates his shoulder which resulted in him getting shoulder surgery today. Alex, what are your thoughts on all of this before we get really deep into it? Well, I think you said the important thing. Someone teach Gregory Polanco how to slide into second base. That was painful to look at before you even knew he was hurt. It was like he was diving into a foxhole or something. It wasn't good. It wasn't good. But overall, I'm going to give this season a check mark, maybe even a check mark plus. This was a big year for Greg. He had to come in after 2017 was really just a bust all around for him. And he started off slow, but these last three months, he put up three war in three months. Yeah. I mean, that's a really good sign. That's an all-star pace for half a season. The last thing that he needs to prove is that he can do it for a whole season, not a half a season. But you know what? He went five months, basically injury-free. I know he fouled that ball off his foot early on in April, and he was a little shaky there for a bit, but he played through it. It would have been a great moral win if he would have just, you know, gotten through the season. But overall, shame to see the season end. I feel a lot more comfortable going into 2019 with him as the everyday right fielder than I did coming into 2018. Absolutely. I think you, you hit it right on the head with that last sentence, Alex. We're coming into this year, I think it was do or die for Polanco where this was his last chance to really show something. Despite him being young, I thought just after 2017, if he had another repeat of that, it might have been time for the Pirates to start looking elsewhere. Um, but, and it, I mean, there were even times this year where, you know, you had your doubts on him, but he was able to, you know, string together a decent April, and then recover from May and June, get real hot in July, and, you know, stay consistent for the second half of the year. Like you said, put up really good numbers, career high, and pretty much all of the major, you know, average categories, if we're talking, like, on-base percentage, slugging percentage, OPS, uh, you know, he, he, you know, career high and home runs, and he did, he did well in pretty much everything, and, um, you know, the fielding is still a question mark and obviously still not great at sliding. Um, some mental lapses, but definitely a lot of improvements for Polanco. And uh, you would hope that 
though this injury is not one to joke about, I am a I'm a uh, first-hand experienced recipient of shoulder reconstructive surgery myself, and I can tell you it's it's not a fun recovery. But you know, when you have the resources that he will, and you know, he has a lot of time to recover. I think he should come into next year healthy and ready to go. Hopefully, he'll have you know sliding down by then. I hope this doesn't affect his play, and I hope that you know he can continue to grow next year. As long as he's been here, everyone you know, talks about how he's been in the league now for four or five years, but the guy's still relatively young, and, you know, he's not in his prime yet, so we could still see Gregory Polanco get better and better in the, you know, the next couple seasons. Yeah, I mean, everyone talks about how he moved off the plate in early June, and, you know, he just took off offensively then, but people don't bring up from, you know, that point also, he was an above-average defender, and he was an above-average base runner, you know, statistics-wise, not looking at, you know, the actual slot itself. Mm-hmm. I, it, that kind of falls into what everyone's been saying about him for years, where, you know, the biggest obstacle is between the ears. Yeah. And you know what? If he keeps hitting, he'll be fine. Uh, hopefully these injuries won't take him too far away from, like, a regular offseason. I know a lot of it's going to be rehabbing, but if he comes back in 2019 in as good a shape as he was in 2018, I think that could finally be the year where he becomes, you know, this guy who can carry the lineup that we've been hearing about for years. Yeah, and I think that, like you said, this is, I think this is only his third season where he's played over 130 games or something around that. Um, And he's got progressively better in all of them. I know the first season where he did that, uh, I believe was 2015, and it was like his first full season in the majors, so you can't really expect much from him, especially he was only like 23 or 24 during that year. Then his second full season uh, was 2016 when he was the best hitter in the Pirates lineup. And now uh, this is his third year where he played, you know, around 120, 130 games. Don't have the number directly in front of me. And I would say he was probably the most productive member of the Pirates offense. Yes? Yes. Yeah. Alright, so let's move into another guy. Let's transition to another guy who... Everyone seemed to think that this guy, especially during the first half of the year, would be no doubt the most productive member of the Pirates offense, but he has quickly faded away, uh, not even in the second half, but in the last month and some change. Corey Dickerson has absolutely fallen off the face of the earth offensively for the Pittsburgh Pirates. Um, I wrote an article about him on Pirates Breakdown that you can read there, and I talked about how um, it, and it, it, it's hard to figure out what is going wrong. We heard when he came here that this guy doesn't do well in the second half, but then in the month of July, he had his best, arguably like one of the best months of his career. He had like a OPS over... 1200 he had you know that streak where he was hitting home runs every single day he you know they moved him to lead off he was killing the ball I think he had like six home runs four doubles three triples something like that it was insane then he you know comes up with that small hamstring strain like the lowest tier grade he didn't even want to go on the DL but ever since he's come back on August 4th he has been he's been bad 
There's no other way to put it. Alex, what do you think's going on with Corey Dickerson? Well, I mean, maybe he's not 100% and he just wanted to keep going. It's a long season. But, yeah, it is pretty disappointing that for the first half of the season, he played really well. And I guess we all just bought into the hype that he wasn't going to do it again like he did you know, last year with Tampa Bay. And, you know, that the Pirates had managed his innings well as the season had gone on, and they weren't going to fall into the same mistake as what happened with John Jaso, who was another guy who spent the majority of his previous season in the American League DHing, and then he goes out in the field and plays every day. And that puts extra wear and tear in your body. I don't know if it's that, but I'm going to just talk more broad. This is this is a season stat, not just, you know, the last couple of weeks or whatever. And I saw this, and I'm like, maybe Corey Dickerson isn't exactly a good fit for PNC Park, and this is just catching up with him. Uh, last year, the majority or more fly balls for him go to the opposite field mm-hmm. than anywhere else. Last year, whenever he hit a fly ball to the opposite field, he had a 350 batting average and a 1.025 slugging percentage. This year, whenever he does it, he has an 0.63 batting average and an 0.94 slugging percentage. It, his slugging percentage has literally been cut in 10 what? into a tenth of what it was last time. And I think that's whenever you're hitting balls into the notch or, you know, Pittsburgh's big left field, that is a problem that he does a good job defending it. He doesn't do a good job hitting into it. Well, that doesn't make sense. You think with that being the biggest part of the park, yeah, your home runs might be down, but. You think that he'd be hitting more doubles and triples and whatnot, but I mean that average is crazy low. Yeah, he, yeah it just doesn't add up. And then something that I mentioned in my article was, you know, when Dickerson came here, no one really anticipated him being like a three hundred hitter, right? It was this is a guy that's going to hit us twenty plus home runs, you know, for the year. He could probably lead our team potentially because we didn't know what to expect from Martin Polanco. And this is going to be the first season in his career where he plays over 110 games and doesn't hit at least 20 home runs. And he's not even going to come close. He's got like 11 right now. And he hasn't hit one since July, I believe. Or maybe he had one in August. I don't know. I don't think he did. And that's concerning. Because like I said in in my article where, you know, you can... We accepted that... This guy wasn't going to put up power numbers pretty early on in the year, I think. I think we all kind of came to that conclusion around June that, okay, he's not going to be the power hitter we hoped for. But even during June, he was hitting over 300. In late July, people forget, right around the time we got Chris Archer when Dickerson went on the DL in that final week of July, there was a point in time he led the National League in batting. He was hitting like 316. He was the top hitter in the National League. And now he's probably not going to finish hitting over 285 if he keeps up at this, at this pace he says that now. Um, Alex, I guess the, the final question I have for you as we wrap things up, does this slump that Dickerson's really ending the year on make you hesitant to put him as a lock to play for the Pirates next year? And uh, does it make you kind of reconsider what we had in mind for Dickerson in the short and long-term future? Well, I know a lot of people are calling for extensions for him. I was always, uh, let him play 2019, and then we'll talk about long-term, even if it would cost more money 
I'll tell you what, I feel a lot better about just going into arbitration next year than mm-hmm. than knowing he has, you know, three year, forty five, fifty million dollar contract coming up. Yeah. But I'm just gonna make an observation here because you brought up the home runs and maybe the OBP's a little better than what was expected this year. So we got a left handed hitting power hitter who's supposed to hit mid twenty homers. Is going to finish low teens at best mm-hmm. with a little better than usual on base percentage. Now, is that Corey Dickerson or is that Josh Bell? Well, might be something in the water here. So kind of what I'm getting at right now. Yeah. That might be if it's coaching or what's going on right now, because I, I refuse to believe that Corey Dickerson with that, he doesn't take advantage of that porch. He doesn't pull his fly balls. Mm-hmm. And it's the same thing. It's the same problem that Josh Bell has. Yeah. And too many of them go to the opposite field. And as you know, I just pointed out, like that's terrible for Corey whenever it goes that way. So you calling for, I, I, I feel, but to actually answer your question, I feel like 2019 Corey Dickerson and left field in a contract year, I think is a pretty good situation for the pirates. Yeah. I can't, I can't disagree with that. And I think now that he has, a year of experience being back in the National League, playing in the field, playing in left field in PNC Park especially, he can kind of settle in. Um, you look, I mean, his numbers, his second year in Tampa Bay, better than his first year. His numbers in second year in Colorado, obviously were better than his first year because he was a rookie. But, um, you know, he's a guy, I think that once he's settled in, like you said, on a contract year, I would expect him to produce better. I agree with that. So we'll move on to our... Final topic, a guy who is in a contract year now, uh, Jordy Mercer, the guy who has been the starting shortstop for the Pirates since around 2012, pretty much all of the Clint Hurdle era except for one year, and uh, there's a good chance that that streak will come to an end very soon, um, as soon as next season. Jordy Mercer was pretty much told by from the Pirates' front office that, hey, uh, you know, we got we have other plans at shortstop, and you know we might be able to bring you back, but it's not going to be on a deal that you're really looking for. Um, Alex, I want to ask you if Jordy Mercer came to the realization that you know he's just simply not good enough to start at shortstop for another major league team. Would you consider him if he was down for it to bring him back and use him in a similar role as to how the Pirates used Clint Barmus when they were grooming? Jordy himself to be the everyday shortstop. No. No? No. I mean, that's, it sounds blunt, but no. Clint Barmas was still an above average, if not borderline elite defender at shortstop, whatever he signed that last contract with the Pirates. Jordy is not that. And as blunt as this sounds, I don't trust Clint Hurdle to not put Jordy Mercer in the lineup hundred something times. No, if he is on the roster, Jordy is one of Clint's guys. And I think it's the only thing that could actually break that is if he is literally playing for another team. I don't think Jordy's really going to get paid this offseason. I think he's going to be one of those babies that gets thrown out with the bathwater. And, you know, you could probably scoop him up for one year for two or three million. A Clint Barmas-esque deal like the Pirates got in 2014. But I I just don't see it. it he doesn't have what the Pirates really want at shortstop. If I want my backup shortstop to be either a good hitter that I could go to off the bench, 
like Sean Rodriguez in 2016. There, I said his name. I know. Or there it is. Drink. Or uh, a good glove like Clint Barmas was in 2014. I Jordy just isn't either one of those. As a whole package, he's a fine, you know, day old white bread type shortstop. But I don't see him being a good bench player. Yeah, I completely agree. Um, you know, I have a soft spot for Jordy just because I think you know he. We'll get into that a little bit later. Uh, just, you know, where he was around during some pretty special moments in recent Pirates history. But I think it's time to say goodbye. Um, you know, it, I think that this new group that we have now that you're seeing play in September with the guys that you've seen, you know, make their MLB debut over the last two, three seasons. Um, Huntington clearly believes in them. I think the fans are starting to believe in them a little bit. And I think these guys are starting to believe in themselves a little bit. And uh, while I do think you need veter- veteran leadership in the clubhouse, I think that you can outsource for that. And keeping guys around who are part of the old regime are going to do exactly what you said. It's Alex, it's going to you know, tempt Clint that any time when there's you know, times of trouble, he's going to go to the reliable guy who might not be that reliable anymore. So yeah, I think it's time to you know just... Say thanks to Jordy and wish him best at another place. All right. Nothing, nothing oh, more on top of that. All right. Well, that'll wrap up our What's News segment, and we will uh, now transition. No guest again. You know, it's kind of hard to book guests to talk about Pirates at this time of the year, uh, but it's all right. We're not making excuses. We're just making adjustments. And uh, Alex and I are now, we're going to talk about some September call-ups. Enjoy. All right, Alex. It's obviously September. September call-up season. We're seeing all of these guys play pretty much every day. They're getting shuffled in and out. Uh, We're recording this on Wednesday night. We saw pretty much an entire... September call-up lineup, if you exclude Marte and Josh Bell from today. Um, I guess Adam Frazier, too. But after those three, it was it was all new guys. And we're going to see this for the rest of the year. And, you know, we're going to see a lot of these guys on the roster next year. So we're just going to run down the line right now. And we're going to give a simple pass-fail grade for all of the September call-ups. Who's our first name, Alex? Yeah, this is just first impressions. I mean, we've seen basically everyone play besides uh, Ryan Larvernway. I believe that's how you pronounce your last his last name. Uh, I mean, he's not gonna. He's not really part of the future. He's just here to pick up some service time. Good for him. But yeah, so we're gonna start off with the biggest name out of the bunch. He was technically an August call up, but really a September one. Kevin Newman, pass fail. Um. All right. I'm hesitant to label this guy as a fail, because if I do, everyone's going to jump down my throat and say, oh, it's too early, no, it's too early, it's too early. I get that. But as of right now, I have not been impressed remotely at all by anything Kevin Newman has done. I, I know he's he's hit, I think he had two hits today. Um, you know, I don't think he's been amazing in the field, 
I know that. I mean, I know the potential that he brings. Uh, he was a first round draft pick. Uh, he's a two time Cape Cod League batting champion when he was in college. I mean, he was a really good prospect all the way through the system. And I'm not ready to write him off or anything yet. But I'm just saying, in the 17 games that he's been with the Pirates, he's not had one moment where I was like, "All right, I'm excited for this guy." You agree or disagree, Alex? Oh, I, I agree. That's why I'm gonna say fail so far. I mean, this yeah. is just first impressions. Yeah. I mean, even by the end of September, I could say pass. Yeah. It's, it's way too early, but right now, I think you basically said it. The only memories of this guy so far I have are bad ones. Him making that error at second base in, uh, that cost him the game a while back. Uh, he had a throwing error at shortstop. It's, it's growing pains. I get it. <laughs> it doesn't even mean that you know 2019, he doesn't factor into the team in any way. Just so far, pass-fail, I'm going to say fail. All right. And I didn't get a pass-fail from you. Come on. Oh, fail, fail. Yeah. All right. Next. Next guy is the other Seinfeld brother, Kevin Kramer. You start this one. Uh, I'm going to give him a pass. I've We haven't seen a lot of the power so far, but you know we've seen some versatility at third base as opposed to just his regular second. Uh, he obviously has a good aura and presence around him because uh, Chris Archer, whenever he gave up that game tying run in his last start, went up to Kramer in the dugout and said, okay, you're going to get the tying hit or game winning hit or whatever it was. I can't remember exactly how the game won. Tying hit? Yeah. All right, yeah. So he was going to get the big hit. Luplo broke it open. That's right, that's right. So, yeah, it was going to be Kramer who gets the big hit. And you know what? Kramer came through. Nice hit up the middle. It's, you know what, I have positive, you know, memories in my head so far from these first couple games. I want to keep uh, seeing what he has through September. Right now, I'm going to say pass. Yeah, I mean, only five games he's played in, but he's three for nine. Um, two runs, two runs batted in, one walk, only two strikeouts. I like Newman. I think I think people have kind of slept on Newman um, his whole time through the minor leagues. I thought, you know, I was excited about... What he could bring to the table, like you said, Alex, with the versatility, you can play him at second, you can play him at third, um, you can play him at short. I, I I think that he could be a good bat in the Pirates order. I I, I look at Newman and I see not Newman Kramer. Jeez, oh man, I'm already mixing them up. I look at Kramer and I see like uh, Neil Walker 2.0. Do you get that vibe or no? Uh, I think that's a pretty fair comp. Lefty with some power, second, third baseman. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I can see that. So I give him a pass as well. All right, who do we got next? Uh, we got the other guy who came up through the system as a middle infielder, but we've seen him mostly in the outfield so far. Pablo Reyes. <laughs> you can go first. All right, I'm, I'm going to give the kid a pass on this also. Again, I haven't... We haven't seen a whole lot results-wise. He had that bad misplay in left field today, but, you know, he's never played in that stadium before. Ended up being a two-base error. He gambled on a base and lost. It's a mistake that you don't really want to see, but, hey, that's September baseball for you. I like the hustle that he's showing. I mean, this kid doesn't seem like he has, you know, the same God-given abilities as someone like Newman or Kramer or even, you know, like a Bell or other prospects that have come through the system. But you know what? Kids hustling. And you know what? That's a good impression to make in September in your first call-up. Yeah, I mean, this is a guy that I, I don't think he's that old. And for him to, you know, 
get this opportunity at his age and show versatility, being able to play in the outfield, in the middle infield, and even in the corner infield. He got his first major league start at third base. I got to give him a pass, too, where he has no expectations. Unlike the first two guys that we talked about, those two guys have a little bit of pressure on them. One, if not two of them, are going to be expected to start next year, I would imagine. And uh, I would think that both of them have, you know, expectations to be key players in the next three to four years. Where Pablo Reyes, they don't have much expectations for him. I mean, if he turns out as a bust, it's not going to be anything the Pirates lose sleep over. However, a guy with his size and everything reminds me of someone like Adam Frazier, Brock Holt, Josh Harrison, just a little scrap. Who's the guy my mind went to? Especially with the versatility in the outfield. Yeah, I mean, all three of those guys. There's someone that you could play everywhere. They hustle. They play hard. They make up for what they lack in size uh, with, you know, heart and grit and hustle. And, you know, I love all three of those things. And that's, that's I think, what makes baseball special. And it was kind of cool bumping into him in the clubhouse the other day. And, I mean, I'm taller than him. And I'm not a tall guy. And just to see, you know, a little guy like that going out there and he's grinding. I mean, he's not doing the best, but he's getting his opportunity and I think this won't be his last opportunity. He's not a 30-year-old, like you said, just getting service time like someone else up here is. Uh, you know, they, they clearly saw enough in him to give him a shot. All power to him. Maybe he ends up being one of those other guys that we've mentioned like a super utility player who catches on with the Pirates, or someone else for that matter. Who's next? Yeah, he's, oh. he's a good guy that, you know, he'll start the year off in AAA. I don't see him having this, you know, big spring trip. Or he could, he could. But, you know, him being in AAA, and if someone goes down, if Pablo Reyes comes up, I feel confident enough with him being like, okay, that's a good enough guy to have on the bench for, you know, 10, 20 days. Yeah. Or whatever it is. I think I think he at this point is that comfortable enough. Uh, Nick Birdie, the other guy who's made his debut during this time. Uh, obviously, not a great first outing, but you're gonna say based off of one third of an inning. I mean, he got. I don't know how you pass him. I mean, yeah, people are excited about him throwing fast and you know whatever, but. I don't know how you pass a guy who's thrown one third of an inning, and he got crushed in that third of an inning, didn't he? Did he not? No, he did. Yeah, he did. So you got to fail him for now. I mean, it could change. People are excited. I don't. I don't know. I don't. I mean, yeah, he might be a good bullpen arm in a couple years, right? Next year, but as far as it goes now, I mean, he's thrown one third of an inning and got crushed. You know what, for the sake of argument, I'm going to give pass. For Off of what grounds? On what grounds? Off of the grounds that he came off of Tommy John surgery. I wanted to see the kid pitch. He hit 97, 98, had good movement on the slider. It just didn't work out. If he would have thrown a scoreless inning, everyone would be losing their minds right now. You know what? I saw the stuff. <laughs> All right, well. Of an inning, sure, whatever. We'll put um, your... We'll put your passing grade that you gave him right next to all the participation trophies uh, that, like, seemingly go... Sean Rodriguez bobbleheads. Exactly. All right. Next. All right, we got three more guys here. Uh, They all were in the majors beforehand, but, you know, they came back up in September. The first one is Nick Kingham. Uh, I'm going to lead the charge on this one. Uh, I'm going to give Kingham a pass. 
I said I wanted to see him out of the bullpen more, and he hasn't really impressed out of there. But that was a good start he made. Was it six innings? Was it six, five or six, whatever it was? It was a good start. It was a good pushback start after being really bullied around in his last couple outings in the majors before being demoted in uh, August. It was good to see him push back there. I'm going to give him a pass. I still don't know where he fits in for the 2019 Pirates, but you know what? If he is a part of the plans, I feel a little more confident about that now. Yeah, I I mean, I give him a pass. Uh, I was hoping September would be a time where Kingham looked really good and he could be someone that we could flip this offseason. I've kind of been vocal about that already. Um, cause like, like you said, I don't know where he fits in. I mean, Jack Zarensic always says it, you know, you could never have enough pitching and I guess he's someone that's okay to have down in your farm system, but he's too old and he's out of options. I, I don't know. I don't know where he really fits in in the long term anymore. Um, but yeah, as far as September call-ups goes, his September performance, um, he had that one bad outing in Milwaukee, but aside from that, I think he's been okay. Yeah, I, I don't know where he does fit. Next. Because you, you just said he has no more options. Yeah. He probably does work best as trade, because even middle relief parts have more than enough hand. Yeah, there. exactly. So, Next. Uh, Jacob Stallings, catcher, probably the MVP of this uh, game on Wednesday, 3 RBI. Yeah. Uh, I'll take this one. Um. I don't know why, but I just don't like Jacob Stallings at all. <laughs> I'm gonna give him a. And it's not. I don't know if it is or not. Uh no. I'm gonna give him a fail just because, like, I just, I just don't want this guy. I I want this. I want this phase to be over with. I just see this as like, like, just going down a dead end road. Like, where are we going with this Jacob Stallings thing? If Cervelli's gone in two years, are you telling me that? Our catchers are going to be Diaz and Stallings with the backup. No, I'm fine with Diaz. I like Diaz, but like I don't want Jacob Stallings on my regular MLB roster at any point ever. I just don't think that he's ever going to really be a reliable major league baseball player, even if it is a backup catcher. I I don't I don't know. I think he's I think he's pretty much reached his peak here, which is playing September baseball, and it's fine. It's cool. He had a cool walk-off hit a couple years ago that everyone freaked out about. Uh, he had a good game today. Uh, he seems like a decent guy. Um, his dad's not a good basketball coach. That's all I got. Fail. I'm going to give him a pass. I, I like Jacob Stallings. I like that he's been through the farm system with you know a lot of these pitchers, especially the young ones that maybe could use another trustworthy voice. I, I like having him in the mix. I don't know if I'm willing to marry, you know, him to the idea of being like the backup catcher, mm-hmm. you know, full time. But you know what? I don't expect any offense out of the backup catcher, and he's even not that bad a hitter. Okay. I, I like the rapport that he has with the young pitchers. I'm not gonna just throw him off the roster. I, I kind of want to see more of Jacob Stallings, but without seeing more of Jacob Stallings playing, if that makes any sense. <laughs> I don't know why, but every time I see his name in the lineup, I get upset. Because Pitt. I, I, I really don't... I'm not that huge of a Pitt fan. I but, mean, I, I like Pitt, but like... 
My favorite college basketball team is in Loyola, Chicago. And uh, my favorite college football team is, you know, whoever I have money on. So, oh, okay. <laughs> all right, um, next. Uh, one more. DeVitas, do you have literally anything to say about DeVitas? Because I don't. Same DeVitas. Uh, yeah. He had one good scoreless inning, I think, on Sunday. I'm pretty sure. No, no, Sunday game got rained out. Saturday, he had a scoreless inning against the Marlins. So, hats hats off to him. He he shut out the Marlins for an inning. That's almost as good as Nick Birdie, you know, in your eyes, right? Going that great one-third of an inning. Yeah. Yeah, I... I guess if I do have to say anything about Davidas, I am glad he has options for next year. So he gets one more year to try to figure it out. And if someone gets hurt, I guess it's not the worst thing in the world if he has to come up and you know be a mop-up man. I mean, I don't know what's good about that, but... <laughs> I mean, it's good compared to he has to be on the roster next year because the Pirates would 100% just give him a job out of spring training if it was... Like they did this Keeping year. Keeping him or releasing him. All right. That, I mean, they basically gave him a job this yeah. last. Yeah, they did. How that worked out? Yeah, exactly. All right. So I don't know. I think we went about fifty-fifty with passes and fails. Yeah. Who who did I actually fail here? I failed you failed Newman. Newman. Yeah, and I failed Davidas. I guess I didn't say that. So I went fast five passing two fails. No, I was about fifty-fifty. I think. Uh, it's kind of scary were, that the you the, went three past four fails. The highest ranked prospect in the out of all of these guys, but was the only one that got a fail from both of us. That's kind of concerning. Not really, but Kramer and Newman are same place basically for any mm-hmm. the like prospect rank it or whatever. Yeah. All right. I mean, well, same draft, same positions, pretty much. They're the same type player. All right, well, that'll wrap up our pass-fail for the interview portion of the show. We're going to move on now to everyone's favorite part. Alex, what is it? Uh, segments. Segment time. I haven't checked to see if this is actually everyone's favorite part. No one's told me it hasn't, or it isn't their favorite part, so we're, we're running with it. If, 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 it is, if it is your favorite part, you just keep it to yourself. You don't need to tell anyone, and if it isn't your favorite part, double what I said. Don't tell anyone. All right. I mean, you could give us feedback, I guess. Nevertheless, that's what we're doing now. Enjoy. All right, Alex. It is segment time. We always start off with buy, sell, trade. I'm going to go first this time. All right. So we will open up with my buy. And this is a little bit of a stretch, but I want to buy Kevin Kramer a few starts at shortstop this season in the major leagues. Is Kevin Kramer a major league shortstop? Definitely not right now. Like, he's not good enough. However, I'm just looking at him and Newman, and I don't know why Newman is exclusively ahead of this guy at the shortstop position. I think the biggest need for the Pirates right now when you're getting down to brass tacks is offense. And I think that Kramer shows that he's capable of being a better offensive player. I know that 
more than likely one day both of these guys are going to be in the starting lineup. But when we're looking at who's going to play shortstop next year, you could put Adam Frazier at third. You have Moran or at second, excuse me. You have Moran at third, where you could probably platoon him and Kramer. But why not, you know, get Kramer some reps there now at shortstop? Have him battle his his uh, Seinfeld brother, and then in the offseason, basically tell him, look, work at it. Get better defensively. You know, he's 24 years old. There's still a lot of improvements he can make to his game, and defense is something you can always make improvements upon. It's not necessarily a mental thing. I think with more repetition and more practice in the offseason, this guy can, by the time he's 25, 26, end up being a decent shortstop uh, if he, you know, has the incentive to do so, they tell him, you have a chance to compete for the starting shortstop position next year. He might, you know, train and put the work in to make that happen. And I think that starts with giving him one or two starts. I'm not talking a ton, but just one or two starts at shortstop by the end of the year. I know that might sound crazy to some, but, you know, it's September. Why not? get a little crazy. Might why not get a little weird? Who cares? I mean, they're not going to win the division or go to the playoffs or anything. Why not get creative? That's my buy. I want Kevin Kramer if you uh starts at shortstop. I am selling I'm selling the idea of playing your best 9 in September. I heard on the radio today uh Greg Brown was talking about how some organizations in baseball are complaining that the Pirates are not playing their best nine, and it's it's you know hurting the integrity of the game for teams that are in the uh, pennant race, just giving them easy wins. Um, and I don't I don't like that. You know, it, the Pirates and any team not in contention for that matter, they don't owe anyone anything. They owe it to themselves. They owe it to their fans to do what's best for their organization. And why not use this team to get guys reps to, you know, see who is going to make the most of opportunities, who is going to step up when the, you know, the lights are shining bright. And uh, I, li- I like that, you know, September provides teams a chance to do these kinds of things and get creative and get different, give different guys chances. And the idea that, you know, two-thirds of the league would cater to the top third, as if they don't already have it good enough already, is kind of ludicrous in my mind. And if those two takes, I think this, you know, my sell didn't make anyone upset, but if my buy take made you mad, odds are this take is going to probably piss you off more. My trade, Felipe Vasquez this offseason. I'm just, I'm looking at the bullpen I know Vasquez is a beast. I there's no denying that. 32nd straight save in a row. He's been great aside for one week this year. But I'm looking at the depth this bullpen has. And how they can probably find a couple of other guys to add to it this offseason that won't be that much money. You could flip Felipe Vasquez for immediate offensive help right now. Or you could flip him for a very good package of prospects in return, or one really good prospect in return. You say it yourself, Alex, everyone overpays for relievers. And this is a hard reliever to part ways with, but you look at the returns the Pirates have got when they've traded their closer in the past. 
for Joel, you know, when they traded Hanrahan, when they traded Mark Melanson. I mean, the Grilly return wasn't great, I guess, but for the most part, it works out well for the Pirates. They have a guy in Keone Kella who can co- go in and hold it down in the ninth inning. You can groom Santana to take his spot in a couple of years. I, I think that they're in a place now where they could trade Vasquez and get immediate and uh, get an immediate impactful return. I'm all about that. Huntington claims to be all in. He wants them to, you know, be competitive next year. He says he's going to make moves to do so. That would be a move that I think would get, you know, some wheels turning. Alex, what are your thoughts? Well, I'll, I'll start off by saying I 100% agree that the Pirates owe no one else in the rest of the league anything for how they construct their lineup since September. Yeah, you wanna... or any time for that matter. Yeah, especially September, though. If you yeah. really want to be in a pennant race, win games. You'll be fine. Mm-hmm. Uh, I also will agree about Kramer, you know, starting at shortstop. Uh, Milwaukee Brewers have been pretty much leading the charge with, we'll just put it a good bat in, you know, a defensive position that they're not really and can I, keen for. Can like, I interrupt you? No, right, go for it, go for it. Because I, I forgot to throw in my stats. I did a little bit of research. Kramer had a better OPS than Newman in AA in AAA, and this year in AAA, he had 14 home runs. That's one shy of Newman's entire minor league total. So he just brings that offensive element that I don't know. Newman might be a 300 hitter, but he's never going to hit more than 15 home runs. You know, Kramer could be a 25 home run guy, possibly one year. He could be. Yeah. I mean... Yeah, but I, I like that idea. Put him at shortstop the way that the Brewers are putting, like, uh, scope at shortstop and shot second base because, mm-hmm. yeah, they're going to cost you some runs defensively, but they're going to be such an improvement offensively that it's going to be worth it in the end. But I am going to wholeheartedly disagree about Vasquez. I know I'm a big proponent of trading your relievers, but I don't see any team giving up what the parts need to really compete next year. Namely, a power-hitting like corner infielder. You don't see the Boston Red Sox giving up, you know, like a, I don't know, or just someone like the Yankees or someone who have like a ton of depth, just a, like a lot of good hitters. I mean, I, if the Yankees came to me and said Anyhar and someone else. Then maybe I'll think about it for Vasquez, but I don't see a any team doing that. And B, you still need a big left-handed reliever in your bullpen, which the Pirates do not have right now. Besides him, Xander Bogarts for Felipe Vasquez, the free agent. No, I'm saying Xander Bogarts for Felipe Vasquez. You make that deal? No, because it's one year of expensive Bogarts versus three to five years of cheaper Vasquez. Okay, I wasn't thinking contract. I was just thinking immediate. But, all right. Yeah. If they were on similar deals, yeah, I'd take that deal, but it's not. Okay. So I don't see anyone... I don't see myself getting a package for Vasquez. Would you right. Would you at least fish him around and see what you could get? No. Not <laughs> this offseason. All right. Fair enough. Maybe next offseason. Fair enough. But this year, one, no. All right. My buy... Guess what we're going to be playing in October? What? Baseball Bucktober. There's going to be baseball on October 1st because they have, for whatever reason, scheduled that Marlins remake then instead of just calling it off like any other sane organization would. But hey, baseball in October, it's Bucktober, and like most Bucktobers, it's going to be over in one game at home. So 
Oh! Oh, yeah. Uh, selling. I'm selling this, having to rest Kella so much recently. What else I is mean, new? I, obviously, if there's something health-wise going on that we don't really know about, then yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll revoke this sell. But right now, assuming that he is healthy, he's only gone 52 innings this year. And yeah, he had a busy August, 14 appearances, but was it really that much that, you know, these last, he's only gone twice in September and he couldn't go Tuesday in the eighth inning or Monday in the eighth inning and what ultimately cost the parts the game that day? It, it just, ah, I got a bad taste in my mouth that they're babying him this much right now. In my trade, it's, it's more an imploring trade. This one goes to Chris Bryant and Vladimir Guerrero Jr., especially Vlad Jr. I am so excited to see this kid play at the major league level, and there is absolutely no reason why he shouldn't be in the major leagues right now, except for the one reason, and that's service time, and how the Blue Jays can get a whole extra year of service if they wait until like April 15th next year. So here's my trade for uh, Mr. Vlad Jr. Whenever you become a free agent for the first time, the Blue Jays are going to ask you to re-sign and say, yes, but for that one year that you cost me, I want an extra $30 million onto the contract that you're going to be giving me as is. I will go for $30 million less elsewhere. Just screw you money. I hope he does it. I hope someone does it and they punish these teams for very obviously manipulating MLB service time. Records And you know what? I'm just going to throw this out here also. Whenever the MLBPA got on the Pirates, you know, ass and the Athletics and the Rays this offseason because they all cut payrolls. Well, guess what? The Athletics are going to the playoffs. If the Athletics weren't going to the playoffs, the Rays would be going to the playoffs. And you know what? The Pirates are doing good enough, too. Where is the outrage from the MLBPA over a very clear (laughs) violation with what's going on with Vlad right now? Kid hit 400. He should be in the major leagues. Yeah. I mean, he's probably good enough to make, like, the opening day roster. Yeah. I mean, this I mean, year, absolutely. Yeah, like, he, he needed to be in the minor leagues to start this season. But, I mean, he was... Uh, he's talented enough that he could have been up in May and been fine. I mean, yeah, yeah. I, I don't disagree. Or at least now. The season's over. He's on his couch now. Yeah. Probably a nice couch, too. His dad's in the Hall of Fame. All right, anyway. Moving on. We got a sink or float next. We've we've done some talking about the Pirates offseason. Alex, sink or float. The Pirates have an opportunity to make the biggest splash in this offseason. Sink or float? Uh, that's going to sink. That's going to sink? Because the biggest splash in this offseason's name is Manny Machado, and Pirates aren't going to be in on him. What about Bryce Harper? I think Machado is a bigger splash than Harper is right now. Ooh. Which might be a little surprising if you would have said that two or three years ago, but just going based off of the seasons that they've had. I think Harper's going to get more money, though, and I think that would be the bigger splash. Are we going splash just based on dollar signs or impact on the team? 
Because Machado, I think Machado is going to Philadelphia. And Philadelphia is going to become a juggernaut come 2019. I mean, if Harper goes to New York and they have an outfield of Stanton, Judge, and Harper, I'd say that's pretty impactful. They're not going to do that. Hicks needs to play somewhere. Garner is still a player there. Ellsbury will eventually rise from the dead. And no, he won't stop. Yes, and they he would, will. They would, that gutless town in the Bronx, I mean, they would, they would cut ties with, I mean, they would, they would flip three Hicks. Three years for three years. They would, they don't care. They would flip Hicks. They haven't won a World Series in forever. I bet you they would, I would, I bet you they would make that signing. Where else is he going to go? L.A. Back or Chicago? Oh. Or L.A. Oof. Or the Yankees trade Giancarlo to the Dodgers, who, you know, that's where Giancarlo wants to go. Hmm. Yeah. All right. Uh, but, so, no chance at all, huh, for the no, Pirates? No, I think they could make an impactful move this offseason, mm-hmm. one that, you know, gets them over the hump and gets them back into, you know, the playoff race whenever the season starts, you know, preseason playoff picture. But no, they're not going to make the big move this offseason. They made the big move at the trade deadline. I don't see them doing it two times in a row. They don't have the farm system or the finances to do it. That's fair. All right, so we're going to move on to our next segment. Um, this is a new one, and it's called Buckin' Problem. That's with a B. Or Nutting. So Buckin' Problem or Nutting, Alex. And I'll let you bring this up because uh, you're yeah, the one who proposed it to me. Yeah, and this is also this is also Alex's uh, super stat of the day. Yes, we're just mixing all the segments in the one. All right, uh, the Pittsburgh Pirates this year against teams that are under 500 are 37 and 19, but against teams that are 500 or better are 35 and 54. Uh, problem or nothing? Um, considering where this team's at now, I'm okay with that. Now, if this was a team that was in win-now mode, I would be concerned. If this was 2015 and they had that problem, yeah, I'd be worried. But looking at this roster, this is a team that, if they can just beat the other teams in their situation, where... You know, they don't have a superstar where they are just filled with young guys looking to learn. That's fine. That's fine right now. Now, next year, it can't be like that. It's got to be same record against bad teams and maybe 500 against good teams. And we'll move from there. But I think considering where this club is right now, yeah, I would like to see that record against good teams, especially because three really good teams, three probably playoff teams, are in the NL Central, and the Pirates aren't one of them. Uh, I would like to see that number a little higher, but for the most part, I mean, baseball, like the traditional saying is like, you know, at least half the league is going to suck every year. At least half the at least half the teams are going to be bad. So if you could just beat up on those teams, you know, you're going to have a shot to win more than you lose. And that's a good goal for the Pirates to have right now. I've said all along that this Pirates team has been incredibly average. They were built to be incredibly average. And what do incredibly average teams do? They beat up the bad teams and then they get beaten up by the good teams. Uh, they're going to have to, you, you nailed it, they're going to have to improve. 
against those good teams if they want to be, you know, anywhere in the playoff picture in 2019 or be. You have to beat the best to be the best. There's nothing more than that. I'm encouraged with how they have been able to basically beat up the Brewers the last two years. Yeah. Well, I mean, after, after years of the Brewers screwing over the Pirates and making them play wild card games, you know, this series up coming up in Milwaukee could technically move boot Milwaukee from a playoff spot. You bring that up, Alex, and I'm not going to talk about the Brewers, but the Cincinnati Reds were a hurdle the Pirates failed to clear very often in Clint Hurdle's tenure. I mean, they, they got a lot of headaches from that terrible team right on the Kentucky border. But this year, they have dominated the Cincinnati Reds. And that's nice to see. It's nice to see them finally beating up on the Brewers. And while they haven't done incredible, I feel like they've held their own with the Cubs a little bit as well this year. It's just been the freaking Cardinals, man. They kill us. Three and seven on the road. But you know what? If you want to try to find a way that this glass is half full, this is the first time since 2012 the Pirates were not swept in St. Louis in a series this year, in a season. Look at that. We got that going for us. There you go. Moving on up. All right, and we will round up today uh, with a He Reminds Me Of, and this is just a nice little tribute to our good buddies, Jordy Mercer and Josh Harrison. Bill Brink had a tweet, uh, Bill Brink of the Post-Gazette had a tweet that kind of hit me in the feels. It said, um, Josh Harrison and Jordy Mercer in the lineup today playing shortstop and second base. Uh, this will probably be the, this could be the last time that those two are in the lineup together. And it kind of made me sad because, I mean, well, you know, I understand that both of them should and need to go because it's, it's not in the Pirates' best interest to keep either of them for next year. Uh, I think both of them have played a big role in the Pirates, you know, resurgence. I think without Josh Harrison, the Pirates don't make the playoffs in 2014. And he was a really good player in 2015. He was an all-star in 2016. And he had that home run last year that ruined Rich Hill's perfect game. I think that's one of the best games in PNC Park. And you talk about Jordy Mercer. Jordy was a guy that came out of nowhere, earned himself a spotting starting spot, on a really good ball club, and you know, was the the yin to Barmas's yang, and was a really good platoon player, and then became a really good you know everyday starter. Not a really good everyday starter, but a reliable everyday starter and a leader in the clubhouse. So both of them, you know, it's gonna be sad to see. I'm gonna be sad to see him go, and I hope people remember them um, for the players that they were. I mean, they were good pirates. You didn't give what they remind you of, though. I don't know. What do you? What do they remind you of, Alex? Uh, I like the nickname that... I can't remember if it was 2016 or 2017. They referred to each other as Salt and Pepper for a bit. Oh, I really that's pretty that. good. I like that. Uh, I don't know. Maybe Turk and JD from Scrubs? Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. So there. There we go. All right, Turk and JD, it is. All right, Alex, any final thoughts? Uh, I'm gonna go rewatch Scrubs now. Oh, that's that's a good show. See, it got kind of dark for me. I couldn't stick with it. I'm watching Curb Your Enthusiasm, and I'm gonna go do that after I edit this. All right, have fun. Tell me if it's any good. I don't have HBO. Oh, Curb? Oh, it's incredible. I'll hit you up with a password. 
We're nine episodes. We're we're ten episodes in now, and if you include that special trade deadline episode, you've earned you've earned the HBO password if you want it. Dolly G. Willikers, thanks, Mister. Look at that. We're we're uh, we're the new duo in Pittsburgh. No one, Alex. All right, for Alex, I am No Ohio saying thank you once again and always for listening to the River Blast podcast. Be sure to give us a follow on Twitter at Alex J Stump at Noah underscore Hiles ninety five, and Lee will end the show how we always do, saying, "Let's go, Bucks." Yeah.